Lord, indeed we come now and we bless your holy name. We bless your holy and righteous and matchless name. We bless you, O God, because you have revealed yourself to be the Lord, the Lord, merciful and gracious. slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Father, we bless you because you have brought us out of darkness. You have brought us out of our sin. You have brought us into your marvelous light through the shed blood of Christ Jesus. And right now, oh God, I ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, that we would hear from you today. Father, may we not just bless you with our mouths, but may we bless you with a right heart posture as we sit up under the authority of your word. Father, you are already speaking I ask that you would just open up our ears to what you are saying. Father, you are already present. Just open up our eyes to to see that you are already here. Father, prepare us to surrender completely to you. That our hearts would be ready to receive. I come before your people with deep humility, knowing that I am weak. But you have already promised that when I am weak, you are strong. And that you have promised that the power of Christ would rest upon me right now. So, Father, I ask that you will move and you will have your way and that you will rescue someone through your preached word. In the glorious name of Christ Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, family. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles or on your devices to Matthew, the fifth chapter, as we return to our study in the Beatitudes. I study in the Beatitudes on the blessings of being Christian. And as you turn, I'd like to welcome you and all of our guests to this church here at Forest Baptist. And for the next two weeks, we're going to finish out this, this introductory section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has been instructing his disciples on on, on what it means and and what it looks like to be Christian. Oh, Lord, help us in this world. If just those who belong to Jesus would just be Christian, what kind of impact would we have upon this world if we would just be Christian? remember, as we've been walking through this, this, the Beatitudes are not a list of to-dos or what it takes to be a Christian. This is a a list that reveals what it looks like when you are a Christian. And in this final Beatitude, this is the culmination of being Christian. But Jesus, he's preparing his followers for how the world will respond to those who are genuinely Christian, who are genuinely followers of him who are genuinely different. Don't nobody like being different. But Jesus is saying, my people are going to be different, and because you're different, the world's going to respond to you in a different way. 
to live, to actually live these Beatitudes out was set up a clash between two irreconcilable value systems. To actually live out these Beatitudes, would, it sets up the kingdom of earth against the kingdom of heaven. And those opposing world views and kingdoms will clash. There's a war going on, church. Are you ready to be a soldier in the Lord's army? Matthew, the fifth chapter. Beginning with the 10th verse from the authoritative good and gracious word of God. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Jesus says in the 10th verse, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. You may be seated. What do you think of when you hear the word persecuted? When you hear that word persecution, what, what, what comes to your mind? You know, often, especially in a, in a Christian context, our minds quickly race to those foreign countries where, where there is a, a blatant and bold opposition to the gospel or the preaching and teaching of the good news. To our, our minds quickly goes to places where it's illegal to even have Bibles. Places where if you dare be baptized to be associated with the name of Jesus that your family was, will disown you and you will likely be persecuted or even put to death. We think about places like the, the what is called the 1040 window and, 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 and mission and missional strategy groups. The 1040 window is that uh, the, 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 the 10 degrees latitude north to 40 degrees north that encompasses the northern part of Africa, the Middle East, and, and in parts of Asia, in that area, there is so much losses. There are so many people who have not been reached with the gospel, gospel because there is this outright hostility to, tho to those who become Christian and those who bring the hope of good news. We often think about those, or maybe when you think about uh, persecution, you think about the many, thousands upon thousands of martyrs who have given their life for the name of Christ Jesus. We think about even the Apostle Peter. And many, if not all, except John of the disciples who gave their life for the sake of the gospel. Which is one reason, that's, that's, that's one uh, apologetic as to why we should believe the gospel. Because these men were willing to die for the name of Christ Jesus. Or maybe we think about those prophets in the Old Testament, like in Jeremiah, the 26th chapter, where Jeremiah, he, he's being oppressed because he, God is giving him a word and he's telling it to King Jehoiakim. But whereas Jeremiah gets out of jail, there's another prophet named Uriah, and Uriah, he, 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 he hears that Jehoiakim is looking for him because he's been prophesying, saying, y'all about to go now because of y'all sinfulness. And he gets word that, that Jehoiakim is looking for him, so he leaves town. He busts up and goes to another city. He goes to Egypt. Jehoiakim, he sends a hit squad that goes and gets it, get him. They go all the way to Egypt, and they bring him back. Jehoiakim strikes him dead. So when we think about persecution, we think about 
all of these things. And beloved, I believe that there is a time coming, especially in, uh, in America, where, where we will see this level of persecution. And the reason why I believe that is because the Bible tells me so. And the Bible tells me that there will be a day when you being identified with Jesus will cost you your life. You will not be able to have anything, possess anything. You will not have any rights because, uh, because you identify with Jesus Christ. See, in those days, you just won't be a Christian because it's the cool thing to do. But when that level of persecution comes, those who stand up and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, may have everything ripped from them, even their lives. We see inklings of that now here in America, just some freedoms of speech. Uh, uh, if, if, you, if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, you could be uh, taken to court or you could be taken to jail. We, so, no, we, we, we see uh, little pockets of persecution, but nothing like we, we, we see in some places in the world. There's definitely this escalation of persecution coming in America. But, beloved, however persecution comes, even though what we face now is different, persecution is still here. Persecution, it, it, it may not be as blatant as it used to be. It may not be as overt as it used to be. Uh, the persecution we now face is similar to how, how racism has switched up the game. Where racism was really out front and blatant and in your face, now racism kind of uh, went up under the covers. It's more underground. It's more uh, oppressive. It's more we ain't calling you back for that job because your name's Tyrone. It's, it's, it's more you can't live on this side of the city. You know, uh, no, racism more undercover. And, and, and uh, oppression and persecution in America has similarly, it's, it's undercover. Folks will talk about you behind your back. Oh, they think they super Christian. They stop coming around you or you may find yourself being passed up for a promotion on the job and you don't know why you've been doing everything you're supposed to, but then you kind of looked over. That's, that's the type of persecution we see now. But no matter what type of persecution there is, no matter what type of persecution we face now or will face in the years to come, it all has the same goal in mind, and that is to silence the witness of God's people. The purpose of, of persecution is to silence the witness of God's people. Satan wants to shut Christians up, and he wants to diminish their light in the world. Satan, he, he wheels persecution like a mad dog on a chain, threatening to let him loose on you if you say anything for the name of Jesus. But Satan knows what's really at stake, right? Satan knows that the stakes are high and the stakes are your soul and your internal destiny. Satan knows Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Satan knows that if he can get Christians to shut up, then people are going to go to hell because they have never heard the gospel. But Jesus says, I ain't going for that. And neither should you. Jesus, he is saying to us today, blessed are those who don't shrink back. Blessed are those who don't hide. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, Jesus declares that, that his people will actually see their persecution as a good thing because it means that they are actually bearing witness to his name. You know, it, it amazes me in, in our culture, we really don't face persecution. We face the threat of persecution. All you got to do is threaten to persecute us and we going to shut up. All you going to do, all, all you have to do is act like you don't like what we say about Jesus and we shutting our mouths. 
We ain't talking about Jesus on the job. We ain't talking about him in the school. We ain't talking about him in our families. Just because we scared of what people might say about us, not what they will say, but what they might say. Jesus wants his followers to be bold. Being Christian means being bold for Christ. There's no way around it. If you're going to be a Christian, you got to be bold. This beatitude is, is a bookend to where Jesus started. Remember, Jesus started, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As he wraps up this introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, he, he has that bookend, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He, he's saying that, uh, now I, 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 I give you all the characteristics of what a Christian looks like, but this is what's going to happen when you really start living for Jesus. In the face of persecution, Jesus reminds us that the kingdom of heaven belongs only to his people. Just to his people. But what I, want, I really want us to, to wrestle with and to think about in the text this morning, the blessing that Jesus is speaking of here directly corresponds with the visibility of your Christianity. How visible is your Christianity? Do people know you love Jesus? Do people know you follow Jesus? Let me back up. Do people actually know you love Jesus or do they just know you go to church? I'm sorry, I am meddling today. It's something about those first Sundays a month where I just meddle. Do they just know you go to church or do your actions and your life actually reflect that you love Jesus? The bottom line is you can only be persecuted for Jesus if people know you're following Jesus. You can't have a peach fuzz faith and receive this blessing. Why do I call it peach fuzz? You know, you know when them, them young men get that peach fuzz. I remember, I remember being young. <laughs> my mustache started to creep in just a little bit. And I'll run up to my daddy and say, look, 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 my mustache coming in. He'll look like I don't see nothing. Like, no, my daddy is there. Look, look, it's right here. He'll look, I, I don't see nothing. And then I, 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 I go into the bathroom. I steal my mama's eyeliner. And I try to darken in my mustache. I try to paint it on. Beloved, you can't paint on your faith. You can't paint it on. You can't act like you got something when you really don't have it. Because when, when the pressure really gets going, when it, when it really comes down hard on you, and people want to corner you because of your opinion, you'll give up Jesus in a second. You'll act like Peter. I don't know him. I don't, know, I don't know him. Beloved, this is a hard word, but Jesus knows we need this because he loves us. See here in verse 10, a couple things are going on. And I'm actually, I'm just going to stay in verse 10 today, and we'll look at a, a couple uh, verses. I'm, I'm going to be in 10a today. We'll look at 10b through 12 next week. But here Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The first thing I want you to notice in the text is why persecution comes. Why does this persecution even come? And the reason why persecution comes, he, he says it, persecution for righteousness' sake. This is not persecution because of sinfulness. You got it wrong, you've been doing wrong, you've been sinning, and people don't caught you in your sin, so they call you out for your sin, or, or you on your job and you're supposed to be doing those reports, but you're on Facebook all day and got caught. See, now this, this is not persecution because you're doing, uh, doing bad. This is persecution because you're doing right. 
This is not self-induced suffering. Y'all know what I mean when I say self-induced suffering. You had all your bill money on the 5th, but you decided to go to the store. And then on the 7th, you come asking everybody for some money. Can I get, some, can I get my 5 on my rent? Can I get my 10 on my rent? You had the money. See, that's self-inflicted suffering. See, Jesus ain't talking about self-inflicted suffering. He's just saying that you are being persecuted for righteousness' sake because you're doing the right thing. Not only that, he, he's saying you're not being persecuted just because you have some type of political view or some type of philosophical view or some type of emotional view. He, he's not saying you persecuted because of your politics. No. Care less about your politics. Jesus wants you to be concerned about the kingdom of heaven first. How do we know this? Think, uh, we know this because of when we looked at verse 6 in this text and we, we looked at the interpretation of where, where Jesus was going. Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He's saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Jesus, who want to look like Jesus and be like Jesus and talk like Jesus and walk like Jesus and, and want to be consumed with what it means to follow his example and, and, and for him to live in and through them. That's what it means. So when he's saying you are persecuted for righteousness sake, he's saying you're persecuted because you want to be like me. Jesus is talking about this 2 Timothy 3.12 type persecution. It says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you know your Bible said that? That if you want to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. That if you actually want to stand out for Jesus, not stand out for the crowd in, in a strange way. So, so that's another thing. We're, we're, we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, not because we like being strange or different or peculiar and, 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 and we intentionally annoy people. No. We're persecuted because we're actually loving. We're persecuted because we're actually kind. We're persecuted because we're actually gentle. We're persecuted because we don't, we don't go off. At, at the smallest thing in our life. We're persecuted because we're different. Jesus is pointing out that his people are persecuted because they look so much like their master. Turn with me to John, the 15th chapter. There's a couple of verses I want us to look at today. John, the 15th chapter. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and, and really he's preparing them for when he leaves. John, the 15th chapter, starting with the 18th verse, he, he, he's helping them understand that things are going to look a little different when I'm gone. But there's one thing that's going to be the same. They, they hated me. And because they hated me, they're going to hate you too. In John, the 15th chapter, starting with the 18th verse, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you uh, out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's, this is where we get the phrase, you, you're in the world but not of the world. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on, on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. 
They hated me without a cause. Beloved, when you're pursuing Jesus, people will hate you without a cause. Just because we remind them of our master. Why does persecution come? Because they hated Jesus. Don't think we're, we, we, there's some separate uh, uh, line of Christianity, some, some separate path that we can take, some, some path of, of a little resistance. Beloved, we have a comfortable Christianity, and we love it to death, so much so we don't want to rock the boat. If they ain't talking about me on my job, I ain't going to say nothing. If they ain't bothering me and my family, I ain't going to say nothing. If I can just be me and do me and ain't nobody bothering me, I'm just going to keep doing it. But Jesus says, if you just be you, of course you're going to look like the world. But when you be like me, that's when they're really going to see a difference in your life. And this is what's crazy about Jesus. It would seem like the world would have been happy Jesus came into the world to save them from their sin and eternal suffering, wouldn't it? It it, it seemed like folks would have been happy that Jesus came in for the rescue. It's like folks being in a a fire, they stuck in a bedroom, and a a firefighter comes in their room with with, with an oxygen mask ready to rescue them. They say, no, I'm straight. I'm just going to sit right here and stay for a while. But every time we reject Jesus, that's what we're saying. I'm straight. I'm, I, I, I'm headed to hell, but, but I, I, I'm straight. The world persecutes us because the world hates our master. And when I say the world, basically the world system that Satan has put together. Because Satan hates him. He hates us too. Hey, turn with me to John, the first chapter. John, the first chapter in the 10th verse. And the word of God says, he came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. His, let me go back to 10, I'm sorry. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Now, now Jesus that made everything. And he let us live in his everything. But we don't even care. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. Turn with me over two chapters to John the third chapter. John the third chapter and the 19th verse. Jesus is speaking, and and it says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Beloved, the human condition doesn't like to be exposed. We, 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 don't, we don't like being caught, do we? You know, sometimes I, I come into a room, the kids doing something they know they ain't supposed to do, but I come into the room and all of a sudden they just stop, they freeze. They, and, they, and it's funny because they... They'll put what they have behind their back like I can't see it. We don't like being exposed. We hate being shown our sin. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. As soon as they fell into sin and saw how wicked and how, how, how evil it was, they ran and grabbed fig leaves to try to cover up. Beloved, our sinful condition, we are always trying to cover up our sin. We don't want anyone to expose our sin. We don't want people telling us what to do. We don't like people holding us accountable. And then, and then what we do, uh, we put up on our own fig leaves and we begin to make excuses. Well, they made me. Well, I really didn't want to, but I had to. Fig leaves to cover up our sin because we're exposed. 
This is why the, this is why the religious leaders in Jesus' day hated him. Because he exposed them for the frauds that they were. They thought they had the religious system on lock, and then Jesus showed up and showed them how to really live according to the law. We can go around and act like we got it together, but when Jesus shows up, he's going to expose us for the frauds that we are. And the only thing that can rescue us is repentance and faith. You see this played out every day. Just like I don't understand why, why the world would turn their back on the very one that came to rescue them. And I don't understand why do people hate happy people? You want to test this theory out? Show up to work tomorrow morning happy. Like, like walk past everybody's cubicle and say, good morning. God bless you today. What are they going to look at you and do? I dare you to be happy all day. I, I dare you to ask somebody, how can I pray for you today? All of a the sudden, they see in your behavior the behavior that they want. And because they ain't got it, they mad at you because they got it. So when Jesus comes, it was all this righteousness, all this goodness, all this glory. Uh, the religious leaders stood back and said, who do he think he is? Ain't nobody that happy in the morning. Maybe they just ain't got nothing to be happy about. But if you love Jesus, you sure got a whole lot to be happy about. The human condition hates their... We, not there, us. We, we hate our sin to be exposed. And Jesus exposes our, 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 our sin. That's why the world hates him. So they will hate us when we begin to live like the lights he has called us to be. When we begin to be joyful and be kind and be gentle and be happy about our salvation, we will receive persecution, and we will receive opposition. The bottom line, beloved, is being bold means being a witness for Jesus. You got to be a witness. You, you, you have to be a, a, the person that, that, that brings the light to the situation. We say it all the time, in, in the places where you go, you may be the only Jesus that people see. Think about that. If, if it all relied upon you, if the message of the gospel only relied upon you opening your mouth, would people you come in contact with be rescued? Being bold means being a witness for Jesus. That means you can't be an undercover Christian. You can't be a secret Christian. That means when folks get, uh, they, they begin talking sideways and, and they begin to uh, uh, talk crazy about Jesus, the Bible, and religion. You, you can't put up the Baptist finger and leave that conversation. Jesus placed you in that moment right then in order to speak up for the king. No, I, I think you don't understand the Bible correctly. No, the, 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 yeah, the church is... is it, it's full of sinners, but see, the hypocrisy would say that I'm not a sinner, but the church should be full of people who know that they're sinners saved by grace. You know, Jesus came to rescue you. We have to, we can't be undercover Christians and, and be Christians. But the other thing about it is you can't be a double agent either. You know how a double agent likes to play both sides. You can't be saved on Sunday and act like hell Monday through Saturday. You, you, you can't be a, a, a son of Jesus and a son of Satan at the same time. Uh, uh, that's why James say, uh, uh, it should not be out of the mouth comes blessings and cursings at the same time. 
See, if you cut somebody out this week, you just need to repent right now in the name of Jesus. See, you can't play both sides. Folks got to know where you stand. So that means in one crowd, you can't be this way. And in another crowd, you this way. You got to be the same if you're going to be Christian. So what does it mean to be a witness? Well, just think about that word. That word. In, in the court of law, a witness is someone who testifies. That's one of the old school words that we need to bring back. We need to start testifying about the goodness of God. You, you, you know they say if you've ever been through a test, you got a testimony on the other side. And you need to start telling folks about Jesus. See, in a court of law, a witness is one who can testify not about what they heard. Come on, somebody. Not about what somebody else told them. Because in a court of law, they call that hearsay. And hearsay is not admissible in a court of law. In order to be a witness, you have to have seen it firsthand. Yeah, I was there on the corner. The light was green. And I saw the car make a left. And they turned right at the same time. I judge your honor. I seen it with my own eyes. See, if you want to be a witness for Jesus, you can't testify about what your mama them know. You can't testify about what grandma them know. You can't testify what papa know. You got to testify about what you have seen for yourself. Don't come telling me miracle stories about how God saved your grandma, how God saved your grandfather, how God saved your niece. How has God saved you? A witness tells what they have experienced for themselves. If you don't have a story to tell, if, if, if you don't have a story about how you made it over here, then how are you going to tell the story about how you made it over there? Because when I get to glory, I got a story to tell about how God kept me in the midst of situation after situation. I got a story to tell about how I should have been dead and gone and buried in my grave. See, I'm going to tell the story now because when I get there, I'm going to tell it to God has to have done something in your life. So when you show up week after week and you're looking at us funny because we shouting, because we excited, and you're like, well, why are they so happy? Maybe it's because you ain't got a story to tell. And if you ain't got a story to tell, I invite you today to see the man. Come see a man who told me all about myself. Come see a man who showed me I was a sinner. Come see a man that showed me I was towed up from the flow up. Come see a man who brought me out of darkness. Come see a man who stretched his arms wide, who hung his head low. Come see a man who they put in a borrowed man's tomb. But come see the same man who got up on the third day. Somebody needs to testify about the goodness of God. You know God put that food on your table. You know if, you know if God hadn't used your family, you wouldn't even have no silverware. But God made a way. Beloved, I'm just saying, if Jesus is who he really is, if, if, if Jesus is, walk with me in the text for a second. Think about the gospel. If Jesus really is who he says he is, 
The text of Scripture says he was sitting in glory. He was playing with the stars, had his feet kicked up on Mars, and he looked down and he saw our wretched condition. God, the very God, he said, even though I have all this glory, I'm not going to just hold on to it, but I'm going to do something about their condition. And God came in the form of man, the God-man, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life and thought, and see, that's the problem. We think Jesus thinks how we think. Jesus had all pure thoughts. Jesus had no sin in thought or in deed. He lived a sinless life all of his days, perfectly obedient to his Father who was in heaven. He, he had miracle after miracle. He healed uh, uh, the, the lame. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He took away uh, leprosy for the leper. He walked on water, told the seed of peace, be still. If Jesus really is who he says he is, then why would we want to be quiet? But not only that, he says he's God. He says he's man. But if Jesus really did what he said he would do, we have even more reason to shout. Because Jesus says, I'm going to take a people who weren't my people, and, and even though they were in their sin, I'm going to graft them into my bloodline, and I'm going to make them a brother or sister in Christ, and not only am I going to make them my brother or sister in Christ, I'm going to give them all the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. And these very, very same people who did not have a righteousness of their own, I'm going to impute my righteousness on their behalf, and I'm going to stand in glory and make prayer on their behalf. For real? we can't tell nobody about Jesus, then we really don't believe he is who he said he is, and we really don't believe he did what he said he would do. If I was walking out here, and I got into a car wreck, and the EMS uh, uh, rescued me out of, out of that car wreck, it would be one day, I would say, you know, I was driving down Petersburg, and I got into an accident, but, but officer so-and-so came and rescued me. You think I wouldn't tell that story? But, beloved, Jesus came, and he took a wretched sinner like you, and he said, I'm going to do something with your life. When nobody else wanted to touch you, I'm ready to keep you, and I wanted to make you one of mine. But we don't want to tell nobody about the good news of Jesus. So if Jesus is who he says he is, and he did what he said he would do, then how should you respond? Beloved, we're just looking at verse 10 today. Beloved, we, we should respond like the Old Testament saints. We should respond like Jeremiah. Jeremiah had the same message that we got. Jeremiah, was, he said, oh, dread. Oh, it's bad. It's going to be bad for y'all. But if you turn to God, then everything will be okay. And everybody rejected Jeremiah so much. He was so depressed. He was so discouraged. He said, God, you tricked me. Lord, you tricked me. You made me think that this was such a good thing. But then he, he kept going with the Lord. He said, Lord... Even though uh, I may feel like you tricked me, but this word is so good. If I tried to keep it to myself, I couldn't keep it to myself. Because this good news about what you want to do, it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. I just got to tell somebody. We need to sing those old songs like we used to sing. That's those songs I said I said I wasn't going to tell nobody. But I couldn't keep it to myself. Oh, I couldn't keep it to myself. I, I just couldn't keep it to myself. He said, I said I wasn't going to testify, but I couldn't keep it to myself. What the Lord 
has done for me. And, but then it goes on, and, and man, the story gets personal because it says, you should have been there. Ha! You should have been there when he saved my soul. You should have been there when he placed my name on the road. He said, but I start walking. But I, but I start singing. But I start shouting. Oh, what the Lord has done for me. You should have been there. You should have been there when Jesus, when he rescued me. When he said that he would take this no good boy from Inkster and use him to proclaim the glories of Christ. You should have been there. Beloved, how, how could we ever hope to make disciples for Jesus when we won't even be witnesses for Jesus? But when we reflect upon all that, here's how marvelous Jesus is. When we reflect about, when we reflect upon Jesus, and then we think about how disobedient we've been to Jesus. He says, don't run away from me. He says, run back to me. Because he says, my grace is enough to cover all that brokenness, to cover all that sin, and to cover all that shame. And he says, come back to me and experience the grace that I have for you. Titus reminds us that grace has appeared in the person and work of Christ Jesus. So though we fail in every aspect of our life of being good witnesses, he says, though you fail, I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to assure you up through my amazing grace. Then he strengthens us and he encourages us and he uses our broken lives to be a testimony. Two things. Through grace, we need to open our mouths in prayer. We need to open up our mouths in prayer if we're going to be witnesses. Paul, Paul talks about two things specifically. In, Colossians, in Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, Paul says, uh, uh, and, 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 and pray for our boldness. So before we can be witnesses, we need to pray for boldness. Lord, as I get up today on the job, help me to be a bold witness. Help, help me to not be ashamed of what you have done in my life. Help, help me, help me to, to make a bold proclamation with my life and with my lips. We open up our mouths and, and we pray. We pray for boldness, but secondly, we pray for opportunities. This is what uh, Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. He said, he said pray that the Lord will open up doors for the preaching of the gospel. If you're going to be a witness, you got to pray, one, for boldness, but two, you got to pray for opportunities. Pray that the Lord will open up a, a door. And, and, like, and, and he does incredible things like people you have been talk, that, that's been passing by you, not talking to you, all of a sudden they have something to say. That's your door. That's the door. You open up your mouth in prayer. But then, beloved, we got to open up our lives with each other. You have to genuinely surrender your life to Jesus and that he would use your surrendered life as a witness for those you come in contact with. Open up your mouth, open up your life. But then lastly, some people today who's here, you need to open up your heart. Jesus wants to use you where you are. See, part of having a testimony is the fact that Jesus comes and meet, he meets us where we are. He meets us in our brokenness. And you may be here today and you can't be a witness for Jesus because you've never experienced Jesus for yourself. 
and you may be uh, in the midst of a whole lot of brokenness, a whole lot of despair, but beloved, I I just want to encourage you today that Jesus will meet you where you are when you call upon him in repentance and in faith. He will meet you where you are, and he will begin to take you where he wants you to be. Open up your heart to Christ today. Trust in the sinless Savior who gave his life for your sake. For Christians, we we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for the one who died for us. Being bold means being a witness for Jesus. Beloved, because lives are really on the line. Souls are on the line. May the Lord use us to go ye therefore and make disciples even tomorrow, even today. When you sit down at that restaurant, be nice to your waiter or waitress. Don't tell them you came from church, just came from church and didn't leave a tip. Certainly don't tell them you came from Forest. Be Christian by being bold for Christ. Let us pray. Lord, you're good and you're faithful, and we thank you that you have rescued us out of our mess. You've taken our mess because you want to use the message of our lives. And Father, I just lift up the one today who is here and do not know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, may you draw their hearts to you. May they come running asking what must they do to be saved. Father, I ask that you would help us as a people who say we love you to be, to be bold witnesses for you wherever we may go. Father, we love you and we thank you for the privilege and opportunity of being called yours. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Beloved, the doors of the church are now open. If you are here today and you know that you can't be a witness for Jesus because you don't know him as 